Good morning. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for, um, for new life, God, new opportunity, Lord, that, um, that even though we've, we've lived in sin, Father, and we've done the things that, that only you know that we've done, Father, and um, you are gracious enough to, to give us a pass, Lord, and, and we are forever grateful. Father, we ask that you speak to us this morning. We ask that... Um, God, just in the spirit of worship, God, that, that you speak something life-changing to somebody this morning and um, that people don't leave here the same as when they got here. And Father, we, we give it to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there is a sign out in the foyer that says, pray, read your Bible, Go to church, be the church. Okay, so I, you're doing a lot of those things today. Um, but I want to focus on one real quick. Read your Bible. It is intimidating to pick up the Bible and read it for the first time. I'm telling you. Um, so first of all, if you don't have a Bible, we, we have Bibles. And we have them for free. <laughs> so take one. It is the Word of God. There's, there's no more powerful book on the planet. It's living and breathing. It is for us, um, and, and we have one for you if you don't have one. So please take a Bible if you don't have one. They're, they're out there in the, uh, in the foyer at the VIP table. But so when I, when I grew up, I, was, I was, went to school, and um, I, was, I was ADD. I was dyslexic. Um, I had a really hard time focusing. I had a really hard time, I mean, reading, forget about it. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. So when I, I got older, I kind of, I feel like I out, outgrew some of that, maybe. Maybe not so much, but I, I feel like the Lord has given me, um, has given me capability to, to sit and read. And guys, people have been doing that for thousands of years. Books have been around since day one. So when we have a Bible, just, just realize you're in good company because people have read since the beginning of time. So when you have, um, when you go and start reading the Bible, understand that you're reading an ancient text. It isn't written in the same styles or the same things that we, that we read today. And, and we don't, we don't really, um, it, it's hard to understand it at first, but you can get something out of it every time. Every time you pick it up, you can get something out of it. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. When you read it and you pick it up and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're doing. Do a little research. Get a Bible that's got, got some stuff in it that you can, you can go back and, and read the, what's going on in the book and when in history and kind of read a little bit about the setting and understand, first, who they're writing to and what it's about. And then dig into the Scripture and get ready because God's going to speak to you. That's how He speaks to us. We pray to Him, and, and the way He speaks to us, it's like a... A walkie-talkie. We, we pray to him, and he speaks to us 
through the Bible. He's already wrote it. He's already wrote down everything that we're going to have to deal with in our lifetime. And, and, and we can easily get that from, from the text. Another thing, um, you need to understand that the Bible wasn't written to us. It was written for us. Okay? So a lot of these letters, like for Romans, for example. Romans was written to a church in Rome. It's not really written to us. They were dealing with a lot of different stuff that we don't deal with. And, and a lot of the letters are that way, but there is things in there for, for us. Okay? So you got to imagine when you're reading a letter and that you're reading somebody's mail. Yeah. Okay, so another thing is don't read a Bible verse. Don't just read one. You would never open a book, uh, a novel, and read one sentence and, and tell everybody to put it on a T-shirt and put it on a coffee cup. and You wouldn't do that. So when you read the Bible... If there's a verse that you like, read the paragraph that it's in and or at least read the chapter and, and get some context and understand what exactly they're talking about. That's, that's a huge problem today is people do what we call cherry-picking verses. This, that, the other, and, and then it loses its meaning completely. So, what I want to talk about today is... Um, I've, been, I've been reading in the book of Judges, okay, and, and to kind of get us up to speed at, at where, what was going on. So Moses frees the Israelites from Egypt, okay? He, he, he leads them out of Egypt. He leads them through the desert, and, and because of Moses's, uh, and not just Moses, his people, because of their disobedience, they're not allowed to go into the promised land. Um, God says, you, you can, this generation cannot go. So, Moses gets old, and he dies, and he, and he kind of passes the torch, passes the baton to uh, Joshua. So Joshua and his generation, well, they're allowed to go. So that's what God said. You can't go. Next generation can go. Joshua is able to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Okay, well, there's a problem with the promised land. It's not empty. It's not empty. There's a lot of things there, a lot of people, a lot of um, different kinds of people. And um, so that's, that's kind of, Joshua leads them in there, and he fights many battles. There's, it is a very gory book, Joshua. There's a lot of, a lot of killing. But Judges starts out, and the people are kind of there, and, and they have failed to get out the other people. So God said, this is your land. Go and take it and drive out these other people, and they didn't do it. Okay? They, they, they decided they were going to stay with them, and um, they're just not going to worry with them and, and all these things. So, so God brings these judges up for a purpose in the middle of a very strange time because they are 
in the promised land, but, but it's not there yet, right? Does that kind of sound familiar? Does that sound like what kind of we're in? Like we are in the kingdom, but not yet, right? If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian here today, we believe that you are in the kingdom, but not yet. It's not here yet. So um, that's where Judges starts out. So we're going to go to Judges um, chapter 6. And um, I'm, just, I'm going to start out with just kind of the setting of chapter 6. And it says, The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years. Okay, pay attention to that first verse. Very important. Um, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east came and attacked them. They encamped um, against them and destroyed the produce of the land. Even as far as Gaza, they left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. Okay, so Israel was under oppression. Not only were they where they were supposed to be, where God led them to be, because they didn't do the things that God said, they were oppressed. Okay, and, and, and I can only imagine that in this time when they're, they're oppressed by these um, these other people, and, and uh, I imagine they're thinking the whole time, why? why? Why is this happening? They couldn't see the picture. When you, just like we can't see all, the, all the, the things that are wrong with our lives when we're in it, but somebody else can come in and be like, hey, I see what you're doing, and I can kind of tell you what's, what's, what's going on. And I, I just, I bet you, the Israelites were the same way. So all these other places, um, the Amalekites, the Midianites, they worshipped other gods, okay? They worshipped um, they worshipped a lot of different gods, that, pagan gods that, that we don't, that the Israelites weren't supposed to even be dabbling with, okay? So the Israelites, Israelites, needless to say, they ended up dabbling with it, okay? And they were wrapped up in, in this idolatry. Um, they were caught up in the very thing that God had warned them from. So, verse 11. This is God's response. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. So God finds uh, favor with Gideon. Gideon is, we, we, we find him the first, the first time we get to meet him, he is he is threshing wheat in the wine press to hide because the wine press is a, is a deep thing and he's, he's threshing the wheat trying to hide from the Midianites because he's probably trying to feed his family the best he can with what he has. But he knows if he 
threshes the wheat at the threshing floor where it normally happens, then the, the Midianites will come and, and steal it. So, verse 13, Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Have you ever heard that before? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? They, they said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. So if you're a Christian here today and, and you have done any kind of um, evangelism, you've heard this. If God's so good, then why, why all these things that are, that are bad? Why is, why is all this bad in the world? Well, Gideon didn't have the book of Judges to read, but we know from verse 1, it says the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years. God allowed that to happen. Okay, and that's, that's, that's another, because people probably died. People probably starved to death. And, and to understand why, why God would do such a thing is, is hard to wrap your head around. But understand that it was for a reason, and it's because he loved his people. And just like, just like many of us have children, we know um, if we want a certain outcome, there's got to be a rough, a rough time to get there sometimes. So, so if God is good, then why all the bad? The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay? Um, it's not that God is bad. It's us. It's us that's bad. Okay? Um, but also, God puts bad things in our lives, and, and it's, I know, there's some impossible situations that, that we can't wrap our head around, and I empathize. It's, it is, um, it's hard. It's hard to deal with, with certain things and, and, and from a biblical standpoint and, and to a spiritual standpoint. I just, you know, some things I can't wrap my head around. And, but we know that these things come in our path um, for us to overcome them. Okay, we, we must overcome them, and we must point to Jesus the entire time, and that's, that's our purpose, okay? So we live in a fallen world. Adam and Eve did it. We can blame, we can blame them. But honestly, the next people would have done it too. If they didn't do it, somebody else would have done it, okay? We are just... Our hearts lean away from God, and, and that's, that's the fact, okay? So when we turn back to God, he gives us a way, he gives us a way out. Okay, so the next several verses, um, they tell us that Gideon, I'm just going to walk us through this. Gideon brings a bread uh, offering, meat and broth to this angel of the Lord. Okay, keep saying angel of the Lord. Okay, and um, we, 
when we hear angel of the Lord in the Bible, most times we think it's Jesus. Okay, we, uh, there's a lot of different theories on this, but one thing is when Jesus accept, or, excuse me, when the angel of the Lord accepts praise, um, accepts an offering, then this is, this is the Son of Man, okay? Okay, so what happens next is Gideon brings an offer, offering of bread and, um, and meat and broth to this angel of the Lord, and, and he accepts it, <clears throat> which can only mean Gideon is standing before the Son of God, okay? This, so, and that's the first thing that Gideon does. He's like, well, I'll go get an offering, you know, that's, that was his knee-jerk reaction. Let me go get some stuff to, to offer to you. And this pleases, this pleases God. Um, but Gideon also understands that he's in the presence of the Son of God. So anytime, another time, uh, another thing that, that happens in the, in the Old Testament, like when Moses or Elijah or anybody comes in the presence of God, um, they glow. Like, they're not supposed to even be in there. And then when they build the temple, there's a holy of holies in the very center of the temple. And if, if you go in there and your heart's not right, you die. You die. So Gideon understands what's going on right here. He sees God's face, and he understands that he should die. And that's, that's, that's what he says. He says, um, you know, pretty much thank you for not killing me right now. Okay, so that brings us up to verse 25. On that very night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old. Then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God on top of this mound. Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole um, that you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's family and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. Okay, so son of man meets with Gideon. A few hours later, God gives him a mission. Okay, this is what you must do. <clears throat> Very important instructions. He was to get this young bull from his father, which, remember, his father was participating in this, um, this sacrifice and, and to foreign gods, to idols. Okay, so he, he gets this bull from his father, which was probably scheduled to be sacrificed to Baal anyways. But also, the idol of Baal was a, uh, a bull. Can you pull up that picture there, computer? Yeah, so this was, this was Baal. So God uses his real bulls that he created to destroy this bull that man created. See what he's doing here? Symbolism couldn't be uh, clear. Okay, then the Asherah pole 
which this is the Asherah pole. So it would grow up. It, it's a tree starting off, and it grows up, and then, and then they whittle it or, or turn it into some kind of thing. And it's, it's supposed to, uh, it's a Canaanite goddess who was for fer fertility. So this was, this was a thing that they also worshipped. And that style of worship was, was uh, X-rated, probably. So, <laughs> Asherah was this tree goddess of life. And God commands Gideon here to chop down that tree, put it around the other altar that he tore up, and, and he's going to burn. He's going to burn this. Um, excuse me. Uh, Asherah was this tree. Okay. And it will be burned up in the service of the living God. Like, it's, it's life is what they were worshiping here. So God is making a mockery out of each and every one of their gods and these idols. <clears throat> And I understand, these weren't Canaanites. These weren't Midianites. This was Israelites doing this, doing this worship. They were putting these things before God, and, um, and God had, had enough of it. So then the next thing is, he's got this pile of, of Baal altar that he tore up with the bowl. Now he's going to build a, an altar for the, for the living God on top of, on top of this stuff that, that used to lead people away from God. Okay, you see where I'm going with this? And then he's going to use the wood from the Asherah pole to, to burn up this, this, this offering, the second bull. Okay, so um, there's things in our life that we put before God obviously. And um, I think what this passage is, is, is showing us is, is that not only is that need to be rubble, it needs to be tore up, but we're going to build an altar on top of that stuff, on top of that trash, and, and proclaim Jesus, okay? We're going to use what God, um, what was idolatry, to be on top of and uh, be underneath our feet, so to speak. Okay? So, I want to I bring up a friend. Um, this, is, this is Pastor Royce. There's a microphone right there, Pastor Royce. Yeah. Pastor Royce is an unbelievable person. And I don't know if y'all know him, but you need to meet him. If you don't, he uh, he's got a, a heart for the Lord, and me and him got to go through seminary together and and do just a lot of ministry together. And Royce, I just tell him a little bit about yourself. Well, push the. Uh, there you go. Now I'm there. <laughs> um, we started a church here. Uh, October 2019, uh, we had not, me and my wife had not been saved at that time. 
Um, so a friend of ours, Melissa Sanders, talked us into coming. Through her evangelism, we came and we became a part of this church and we never left because when we walked in, it felt like home. So I have, well, like many of you here, uh, drug addiction was bad and rampant in my family. It tore my family apart. And so in coming to church, in being saved, in being baptized, uh, it was a way for me to fight my way back and fill that hole in my heart. So one day, Pastor Jared preached a message, and it spoke to me. It, it, it was like he was standing up here looking at me, and it said, God said, you know, you need to minister to the people in the jail. Now, you don't understand. Going to the jail was something I hated. I have been in prisons to see my family for over 20 years, and I never wanted to ever go back to a jail again. I was done. But it spoke to me and said, you need to go talk to these people. You need to bring this word to them. And so, but COVID hit. I was ready. It's like, okay, Lord, um, I got it. I'll do it. You know, I was young. I, I wasn't ready. The Lord knew I wasn't ready. And so COVID hit and it gave me another year, year and a half to prepare myself to grow in, in spirit, to grow in faith. And then one morning after COVID was over, I was driving to a job interview. It was 730 in the morning and I was praying to God. I said, God, please give me a purpose. Speak to me. Show me something. And not three minutes later, Pastor Jared called me at 730 in the morning. Everybody said he never calls anybody at 730. <laughs> called me at 730 in the morning. He said, Royce, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going on a job interview. He said, hey, we get to go in the jail. Do you want to be a part of this? Me and you and Dusty. I said, you bet. I said, yeah, I'm there. I mean, it was amazing to me that this purpose, that God just threw this purpose in my lap. And so I told the people at, at the job, I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm only going to work part-time, and I can work this day and this day, but you're not getting any more because the rest of it goes to the jail and to my church. They, oh, okay. <laughs> it was easy. I thought I wouldn't get the job. So it has grown, Pastor Jared's vision for the jail me and Dusty and him started together. I knew nothing. I'd never stood up and talked to anybody before in my life and never preached a message. And I found that it has made me grow in faith. I thought that my purpose was just for these men in the jail. But the purpose was for me as well. I, eight months ago, I couldn't stand my son. He is in prison. He will be for a while. And I could hardly stand to talk to him on the phone. I didn't know how that relationship would ever be repaired. My daughter was, was deep in addiction uh, two years ago. And y'all were here, many of you, when I got to baptize her. It was, but 
the thing we have to understand is I am doing this work in the jail because the Lord called me to do this work. But in return, he has blessed me by repairing my relationship with my son who, who would not even entertain the thought of a God and who now believes in the Lord. And a daughter that I got to baptize. If you give your time to him, if you work toward him, if you give all that you have, if you live in obedience to him, he returns that blessing to you so much that I can't can't even describe it. Today, we thought we were going to baptize seven people. Two got out. So we are baptizing five men today in the jail. After these five, in 45 weeks, since the 30th of October, we will have baptized 51 men in the jail. This this is amazing to me. But anyway, my story is, it's never too late as long as you have the Lord in your life. The Lord will repair everything in your life if you just give him the chance to. And that, that's all I have. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, Royce takes those things that were, that were meant for evil, that were, um, that Satan made, like, specifically to ruin their family. And, and Royce is, is taking that and building an altar on top of it. Yeah. So, takeaways from this chapter. Uh, the defeat of Midian must begin with God. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. And, and especially if we look at like where we're at, if we want a better ranger, if we want a better Eastland County, if we want a better state of Texas, um, that begins with God. There's nothing else. Um, before we can build up a relationship of worship to the true God, we must tear down the altar um, of worship to idols in our lives. And, and you say, oh, what? I don't, I don't worship any gods. Well, yeah, um, they're, may, they're not so obvious now. But I guarantee you they weren't so obvious back then either. Okay? I mean, some, some of it is, I mean, money. Man, what are you putting um, before God? What would keep you from coming to church? What would keep you from uh, going to a life group? What, what would keep you from just spending time in your word? Okay, those are the things that he's talking about. These are coming before me. God said, there shall not be other, any other gods but me. He's a jealous God. And the second thing is, when the time comes for us to turn from our sins and idolatry, um, this begins in our own home, our own houses. Um, Gideon couldn't expect to lead God's people out of this oppression. They were taking everything. Midians were, Midianites were taking their food, their, um, their lives in a lot of, a lot of cases, and, and they were having to literally hide in the, in the hills from these people. Um, 
He couldn't, he couldn't face them until he had got rid of these idols, his father's idols. And finally, uh, we have to go out in confidence that the Lord is going to win our battles for us. Gideon went out at night because he was too afraid of his family and, and the people around him. But I think he missed a huge opportunity here. I think he missed a huge opportunity to do this in broad daylight in front of everybody that he knew and said, this is the only God. This is the one true God. And he's going to lead us to victory um, from these things. When we have a, a creator God in our corner, and I, and I want you to think about this, like what keeps us from spending time with the Lord, okay? I would rather do this than spend time with the creator of the universe. It's just, that's, it's preposterous to think of anything that would come between you and, and, and the uh, creator of the universe. When you put it that way, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but we do all the time. We do. So, Later in the chapter, um, and I, I, I encourage you guys to go read this. Worship team, if you guys want to come up. I encourage you guys to go and, and read this chapter, um, Judges 6. Gideon goes and, and he takes, he ha, he's got a, a whole bunch of men. And God narrows it down to 300 men. And, and they're ready to fight. These guys are... are are skilled warriors, and they're going in, and um, God gives them very specific instructions to, to do, which, and it doesn't sound like you, you would imagine. You're like, what is God up to here? And instead of Gideon and his men having to fight anybody, God just causes a great confusion in this camp, and they all start killing each other. So that's, what, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of way God shows up and fights our battles. Like, if we put our trust in God, odds are we're not going to have to fight, but we've got to stand up for what we believe in. So Jesus, he, he already fought our battles. And, and I want you guys to think about this. The cross was a ruthless killing machine made by the Romans, um, killed millions of people on these crosses. And Jesus, Jesus takes that cross that Satan created, or maybe God created it to point to Jesus. Let's, let's say that. But Jesus hangs on that cross and he changes the image of the cross forever. It's not about death anymore. It's about life. It's about life. That's what Jesus did. And this morning, if there's anybody in here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, man, I want to encourage you to jot that on your connection card. Whatever you need to do, we want to talk to you about it. We don't want to embarrass you. We want to talk to you about it in private 
And if you just want to come up, we're going to have a prayer team up here in a few minutes. And um, if you want to talk about this, this, um, this life change, this Jesus that, that saves us from our sins. We know that we are sinful. We know that we have idolatry in our hearts. I mean, we, we lean that way. Even um, humanity leans that way. That's why I know that you do too. Because it's not just you, it's everybody. We all need a Savior. And I need one every day. And I believe you do too. There's going to be, um, they're going to play one more song. And there's going to be some baskets that come down. That's part of the way we worship is, is by our tithing offering. Um, that would be the good time for your connection cards and life groups. Also, guys, we want to walk you through whatever you're going through. Whether it be, um, you know, sin. There's no, there's no better way to do it than with a group of people that are doing the same thing. And that's what life groups are. Slip. Yeah, throw your life group deal in there. Throw your um, connection card in the baskets and, and we'll get them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you, God, for who you are today. We praise you for um, for the cross, Lord. And what that means. It's life. Father, you took something that meant death and you made it mean something different. You made it mean life. You made it mean um, redemption Father and we praise you for that God I pray for for every soul here today God I pray that everybody would wake up and choose you on a daily basis Um, you are you're the way you're the truth and you're the life and uh, we know that you're the only way Father we ask this in the name of Jesus Amen Amen